Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 157 with my friend, Ananya Majumder. I was so pumped to sit down with Ananya. She's going to be the first of many of my peers, colleagues, classmates. That last one sounds so juvenile, doesn't it? Um, but in my, in my master's program for, uh, clinical mental health counseling. So I'm excited uh, to kick this little mini series. Let's call it that. It's going to be a few in a row at least, I think. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to kick it off with Ananya and you can hear all the wonderful things she has to say and we'll kind of recap, re-meet, re- uh, what's it called? You know, meet up, discuss afterwards. Why can't I think of that word? That's fine. Who needs words anyway? You do. So here's a bunch of them from Ananya. So without further ado, here's this intro went off the rails. Without further ado, here is my friend, Ananya. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? You want to get started? Sure. What well, do I say? You say... Nothing. Um, <gasps> why am I here? Because <laughs> I'm going to talk at you. Um, Works for me. No, it's, <laughs> I usually start out with how I know people. Ooh. And uh, we met first semester of grad school. We did? Yeah, didn't we? My first semester of grad school. Winter this year. <gasps> Last no. year. Yeah. No. Oh, in theories. No. Fall? No. Do we have nothing together in fall? No. Because I had only skills in fall. I had skills in fall, but not with you. No. (laughs) I think we were in theories together the first time with Dr. Branson. Was that a winter class? Yeah. All of the semesters run together for me. Yeah, that's that. That was her last class, and she was like, "Oh, I'm leaving after this." Yeah. Bummer. Yeah, she was really good. Yeah, I stalked her the other day, trying to see what she was up to. Yeah, couldn't find anything. Oh well. What are you gonna do? And, uh, yeah. And then we've had multiple classes together since then and hung out a couple times yeah. outside of class and, yeah. and here we are. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, I like to go and start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're born. I was, uh, you have one sibling, yes? I do have one sibling. He's younger than me. Yeah, okay. So you're the only child at first. I was the only child at first. That was fun, but kind of What's boring. the age difference? Seven years. Oh, so you like remember being the only child. I do remember okay. being the only child. <laughs> what? Uh, where are you born? I was born in New Delhi in India. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping to get like a small city name too, but that's all right. Um that was a city name like a i don't know I, oh like a small town yeah like no. clarkston oh no no i was born in the capital <laughs> oh all right then fine <laughs> um and what did mom and dad do when you're born um stuff okay <laughs> um my dad was working with a company which was based out of hong kong are they both working when you're born no okay mom's home with you mom was home with me yeah so what's, yeah, tell me about being an only child. Because that's, it's rare the age difference is just enough to where you have some memories from that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember a lot of 
um, playing in my room with my toys. I remember going for ice skating classes. I remember going to school with my friends. And you started school and everything, huh? Yeah. Because um, my earliest memory of not having a sibling at that point was when I was about four or five. Yeah. And I, I think it was mostly just playing, I remember. Was it, um, you said Capital City was, so was, did you live in like a city area? Did you live in a rural area? Oh, your face is telling me things. What? So, so <laughs> when I was born, yeah. um, we were in New Delhi. And then when I was about two or three, we moved to Bangalore for about, I think a couple of months or maybe a couple of years. I'm not sure. Okay. But then my dad got um, transferred. And we moved to Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And we stayed in Hong Kong for about four years. And so did you start school in Hong Kong? I did. How was that? That was fun. We yeah. had these cute little checkered uniforms. And I made friends. And I didn't go to, like, the public school over there. Yeah. Because the public schools were in Mandarin. Which would provide an obstacle. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. at that time, um, I went to a British school Okay. over there. And um, that was fun. I remember playing in the schoolyard. I remember breaking my nose in the schoolyard because I ran into a girl who was taller than me. And I ran straight into her elbow. And I almost broke my the oh bridge my of my goodness. nose and by the time i got to the nurse there was blood running down to my sock um those <laughs> bleeds are no joke oh yeah that was essential part of your childhood um yeah and what's what's it like so i imagine you mentioned there's mandarin like around you mm -hmm. right not at your school necessarily maybe with some people i'm sure um english what languages, like, you're being surrounded by, what language is being spoken at home? Um, so my mom speaks this language called Konkuni. Okay. My dad speaks Bengali. Okay. And um, they spoke Hindi as well. So, so I you're grew surrounded up by <laughs> a bunch of languages. Jeez. I never had too much exposure to Mandarin. Yeah. So because in my school, those were mostly for international kids. Yeah. So kids who came from India, who are there from Britain, from all over. The yeah, I've heard about schools like this in like Europe and like Germany and stuff where it's like expats and stuff and it's just all. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, basically that kind of school. And and the funny part is that all my friends were Indian. Like, I didn't have any friends who were native yeah. from Hong Kong, yeah. which was kind of cool. You're an international student school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, just, I just wonder, because I'm always fascinated by this, uh, growing up in this country, like, it's pretty much all English, right? And, yep. like, you might have... Uh, some Mexican friends or something when you're younger that they're, they speak Spanish at home and you're like, oh, what's happening here when you go over there play Power Rangers or something. But it's uh, a, <laughs> uh, do you feel now like being here and like having, looking back at that, do you feel like you had any sort of advantage being surrounded by like a multitude of languages as far as learning languages or um, communicating in general? Cause I, I, I think that it feels like an advantage um in that way mm, in a developmental I, way i think it does have an advantage in like 
cognitive development. Yeah. Because I grew up with English, Hindi, um, Bengali, Konkani. Um, then in the city where I was living, because it's the capital. Oh, wait, I, I, I moved back to Delhi at some uh, point yeah. <laughs> when I was about seven. Okay. I moved back. So I spent my childhood from seven and above till adulthood in Delhi. So I grew up with a lot of other languages, surrounded by a lot of other languages. So I understand bits and pieces from here and there, and I understand through context. But I do think from a development, a cognitive cognitive standpoint, that it's really important to have exposure to a lot of different stuff when you're that age, because it makes learning a language at a later age also easier. Yeah. Does the seven lineup where does mom get pregnant and you guys move back to Delhi? so um kind of just a coincidence <laughs> it kind of lined up so um, we were in hong kong my dad got transferred again and we moved to sydney okay. oh yeah but <laughs> sure why not <laughs> uh i think my mom was already pregnant by that time okay. i think she was a couple of months pregnant by the time we left for sydney because she... you're in your third country or not even Eight years old? I'm not even eight. I'm in my third country. Yeah. So um, they, yeah, my brother was born in Sydney. Oh, okay. And by the time he was like four months old. Okay. Was four years? No, no. Four months old. When he was about four months old, my parents were like, okay, we're moving back to India. All right. Can we unpack some of that? Sure. Because from your point of view, obviously, first, I imagine... You're starting school, you're like socializing, you're making friends, and then you're like, oh, we're going to Australia. (laughs) Um, What is that like for like seven-year-old Ananya? (laughs) So um, I don't honestly remember moving from Hong Kong to Sydney. Okay. Um, I just like the only memory I have is crossing the road, holding my mom's hand on the way to get a cab for going to the airport. That's my only memory of leaving Hong Kong for okay. Sydney. You're only in Sydney for less than a year? For, yeah, for less year. than a year. Yeah. Um, my cousins were in Sydney, actually. So okay. while my mom was heavily pregnant and when my brother was like a couple of months old, I used to hang out with my Family. aunt and yeah. my cousins. And that was pretty cool because I had a cousin who was just about two years older than me. So yeah. uh, that was fun. Um I remember feeling so heartbroken when my parents told me, oh, we're moving back to India. And I remember I had just come back from school and I had like a bowl of like ramen because they're like, okay, we're giving you bad news. I'm going to give you something nice to eat, which you like. (laughs) So here. And I remember just sobbing into my ramen and making it so salty because I was like, I don't want to leave. Put too much salt in there. (laughs) Uh, so, so that's funny. You had more of an issue leaving Sydney yeah. after that year than you did leaving Hong Kong. I did. Were you? How long were you in school when you were in Hong Kong before you guys left? A couple of years. Two years, I think. Yeah. But do you think it was just the friends at school, and then plus the family, and it felt, I imagine, like just kind of like a home base, yeah, all around support system. Yeah, I think it was more because I was leaving my cousins. Yeah. Because there were three of them, and they're all older than me, and I was like the baby. So. And now there's a new baby. <laughs> that did 
bother me too much at okay. the time because there wasn't some instant resentment like, "Ugh, where's my attention now?" No, because I was always happy to go do my own thing, right? Yeah. But yeah, I I remember because we used to play a lot. My my aunt would come pick me up after school, and I go hang out with my cousins, and I kind of got used to that, yeah. and then. Then we're going back to India where I don't have any friends. My, Start over. Yeah, my cousin who's there, he's like six years older than me. Don't really relate to anybody there. So I was sad, but. Yeah. So what's that look like once you get back? As far as kind of building your childhood social structure again. It's pretty cool because <laughs> the friends I made at that point, they lived about couple of doors down okay and we're still friends till date like nice. they're one of my closest friends yeah so that's pretty cool what's what's socializing and stuff look like when you start getting to those wonderfully awkward like middle school like 11 12 year old ages <laughs> oh my god so i went to an all-girls school okay the so advantages and disadvantages so the advantage was <laughs> that i didn't know I didn't realize that boys were so different until I hit puberty. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, because even the friends I made who were like around my house and my neighborhood, they were also all girls. And my first friend who was a boy became my friend when I think I was in the sixth grade or the seventh grade. He moved in right next door. Okay. So... And we didn't get along at first. We hated each other. Yeah, but girls rule and boys rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then um, we had this major fight. And I don't know. When we made up after that fight, we became best friends. So I don't do know how what, that do happened. Do remember what the fight was about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so juvenile. Of course. So, so <laughs> That's why I'm interested. <laughs> oh, my God. So I used to go for these dance classes okay. and um, the guy who spearheaded all these classes was a choreographer and he's a well-known choreographer in India and um, my friend was saying something bad about him and I had gone into hero worship mode for the choreographer because yeah. he's so amazing and I completely imprinted on him and my friend was saying bad things about him. So I got all defensive and I'm yeah. like, how dare you say that? He's like, no, he sucks. And I'm like, no, you suck. <laughs> and yeah. It's funny the things we'll fight for. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, the people that don't even know we exist kind of things. <laughs> yeah. I had an argument with a friend about a band. Uh, you know, Jimmy Eat World. I've heard of them. I'm okay. not, I've heard of them. I haven't heard them. She was saying like her favorite album was like their first like indie different lead singer. Like I do not like the album. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you said you're hipster. Just shut up. We didn't talk for like two years. <laughs> well, and yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Looking back and framing it in the way like, why was I defending this? <laughs> yeah. But, um, As if they're checking blog posts. Did Ananya defend me today? <laughs> but I am very happy that we had that fight because without that fight, we wouldn't have been so close. Yeah, that's Which good. is pretty cool. So all-girls school. Is yep. it is the stereotype true? Are, are girls meaner to each other at the all-girls girl school than you think you would have seen otherwise? Like, is there, is there a mean girls situation happening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
there wasn't in my uh-huh. grade. Yeah. Um, I think everybody was so focused on doing well academically because that's what the pressures are. Yeah. Right. Like everyone's like, oh, you have to get like a hundred out of a hundred, or you suck. And there is like is so much. Just within your family culturally. No, like as in India as a culture. Yeah. We put a lot of pressure on doing. I'm here to make assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> we, put, we put a lot of pressure on doing academically because if to get into undergrad university, we don't have community service. We don't have um, essays. We yeah. have what grade you got. And there's a cutoff. Like if you don't score above this, then you're not even considered for admission. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So it goes on from since you're like in the sixth grade, like, come on, you have to make sure all your grades are good. And then we have these big exams. They're the, the, they're the equivalent of an SAT. Yeah. But they happen twice, one in the 10th grade and one in the 12th. Okay. So, yeah. That's a, uh, was, yeah, that's a lot of academic pressure. Yeah. What do you, I mean, surely you had to have known people that just did not succeed academically throughout school. Yeah. What does that look like for those people in, in, in a culture like that? Um, I'm asking for myself because like, I graduated, I've been on the dean's list with almost a 4.0 my whole college career, but like I graduated high school with a 1.9. <laughs> uh, I yeah. was going nowhere. So I'm, I'm just curious, the Justin Lamb equivalents, <laughs> what what happens to them? Um. Uh, so there are, so there's no option of not doing undergrad. Yeah. You have to. It's just. It's just the rite of passage. It's like how you complete your high school. You have to complete your undergrad. But you still have to be admitted to it. You still have to be admitted to so it. So if you don't have the grades to get in then, and you have to do it, how does that <laughs> work Then you out? go to a college or a university which takes donations. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> if only we could see the air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just curious. I was like, are there... Like, did you see cultural equivalents to, I mean, I think anything you'd see in like a 90s teen movie, right? Like your burnouts and your, your hippies. And oh, your, yeah. <laughs> um, different cliques. Because stereotypically, the cliques kind of line up with a specific academic performance in most cases, yeah. right? And I'm wondering if that, with the cultural pressure of higher academic performance, if that still equates the same. It does. And it equates to different... Um, streams of academics you could see like the different personalities just kind of go into certain where, the, where you thought they were gonna go yep um what's your relationship like with your brother as he gets a little older and you guys can communicate and oh mm, honestly um when he was about 14 and i was 21 because that's when i came back from my university, uh, my undergrad, um, we started becoming friends at that point because he was no longer the annoying, annoying little brother, annoying little brother. Well, it's seven years is, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good gap. Yeah. I was you're... 14 and he was seven. I yeah. mean, the world's apart. Yeah. Were you kind of like taking on a third parent role in situations with him? Um, 
when he was younger like that? I honestly don't remember, okay. but I'm sure I did. <laughs> because Babysitting and stuff? Yeah, in the sense that when I was about 14 or 15, my parents would go out for dinner, go for a late night movie. Yeah. They'd leave him at home and it'd be just the two of us. Typical older sister stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> because when he was born, my parents were like, oh, hey, you know what? You're now a part of the parent circle. I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Just take this in. Sure. That's a part of my role as an older sister. Cool. <laughs> um, before we get out of school and stuff, with the focus on academics, like, what does your social life look like uh, before you go to university? So um, I had a good social support in my neighborhood. Yeah. Like the same people who I became friends with after I moved back to Delhi, same people were my friends at that point. What are you guys doing for for fun at that age? Oh, we'd go to like um, the market and eat like dumplings and stuff, which was pretty cool. <laughs> hang out and have tea or coffee or, you know, just hang around. Yeah. Just... Typical teen stuff. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, That was fun. I didn't have too much of a social circle while I was in school. Yeah. Um, there's too much teenage angst all around. Everyone's so stressed out with like their academics and people just not getting along. And yeah. I was like, I gave up after a point. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm just going to stick to my work. My friends are at home anyway. Is there, because it's kind of expected, is there any additional um, pressure from parents to achieve? I mean, that was normal. Yeah every parent wants their child to do well in the sense. I don't mean that in the way that like the opposite is their parents hate you. Oh, (laughs) no, no. I meant that it was a social thing. Yeah, yeah. That it's a cultural thing that people want their children to do well. Yeah. Because then you can talk about it. Like, oh, look, my son, my daughter did so well. Yeah, exactly. I gotcha. Not that my parents did it, but um, it it, it was a cultural thing for a lot of parents. So what do you study at university? I did a triple major. Oh, sure, why not? <laughs> yep, because mm-hmm. I did psychology, communication, and literature. Was there an end goal for those three? Yeah, I I always wanted to go into, well, to be a therapist, like ever since I was like in the ninth grade. Oh, wow. I, I My parents used to watch Criminal Minds, and I got stuck with, ooh, why are they stabbing people? <laughs> Sure. So, yeah. So, forensics. Like, <laughs> but then I realized I don't have the stomach for it. Yeah. Because in real life, I don't really want to, you know. Talk to serial killers. Or, or go to a crime scene and be like, okay, this person stabbed someone 10 times. That's yeah. why they must be thinking X, Y, Z. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely put me on a path of wanting to be a therapist. Which is why I went into psychology in my undergrad. Yeah. But I had such a bad time with the subject in undergrad that I was like, I'm never going to touch it again. Just like difficulty or what do you mean by that? I couldn't. um, It was very clinical and very theoretical that most of the times it just went over my head. So I was like. Like how counseling is very experiential. Yeah. It's very hands-on. It's very um, 
let me tell you about my experience with so-and-so or let me talk about what I did when I was faced with this issue. Whereas psychology is, oh, look, there's this theory. Oh, look, Eric Erickson, Freud, and like they did blah, blah, blah. There's 30 pages of data and I come over and (laughs) I, I took an abnormal psych class in college and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is not, (laughs) this is not what I want because I don't, like the research part of it, mm-hmm. the data part of it, I, where it's fascinating, I also like don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also had a lot of trouble with the exams because yeah. they were like our diagnosis paper where you have multiple short answer questions. Yeah. So I had to write out like short answer questions and then some long answer questions and Paragraphs and essays. Excuse me, paragraphs and essays. And um, the thing is that grading was so strict that I failed the exam twice. Okay. I didn't graduate with my class because I failed that particular exam, which completely threw me off. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do psychology anymore. Had you failed an exam before? No. What was that like? I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst. How am I supposed to show my face at home? And then when it was time for the makeup test, like the makeup exam the night before, I went for a Swedish House Mafia. Is that what they're called? Yeah, I went for a Swedish House Mafia concert. Okay. (laughs) So when I got my paper back for my redo exam, I scored less than I did on the initial time I failed. So I was like, okay. What's that do with, or I mean, what role does anxiety play at that point? <laughs> um, at that point, I had, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life at that point. And the exam, just failing the exam kind of just was reiterated that I couldn't achieve anything at that point. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to study anymore. I refuse to get higher education. If somebody wants me to do it, then I'm just going to look for another job. Like, yeah. I don't want to get into it. So it took me like eight years to recover from that because, I mean, here I am. <laughs> what, and obviously you don't have to respond at all, but like what other stuff was happening that was piling on at that point in your life? So I was in an emotionally abusive relationship at the time, which completely isolated me from my friends. It isolated me from my family. It completely um, took down my self-worth, my self-identity. I mean, everything you hear or read about like an emotional abusive relationship, manipulation, gaslighting, everything, been there, done that. Um, so it took me a really long time to a recognize it, B find the strength to actually leave the situation because he would hold me emotionally hostage by saying, Oh, if you're not going to do something or you've made me sad or just by talking to you now, I want to go kill myself. So if if you leave me, I'll kill myself. Yep. Yep. Which was. I mean, it was not the best because he wouldn't even say that we were dating. We were very obviously dating. Yeah. But he wasn't. He he didn't give that to me by saying, oh, 
um, you know what? You're my best friend. You're more than my best friend. But we're not dating. Not because I don't want to date you, but just because I don't want to date. And then he goes on to see like five other different girls. This is when you're like 20? Yeah. Okay. 20, 21. Then I was actually in Bangalore for my undergrad. Okay. So after my undergrad finished, I moved back to Delhi because I went and stayed with my parents. And um, it took me five years after being physically away from him to actually finally tell him that, okay, you know what? We're done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was he under the impression you guys were together that whole time? Uh, apparently. Oh, okay. Like, I had no idea that... Were you guys in contact with each other? Oh, yeah, that? we were. Oh, okay. Because that's when the whole, I'm going to hurt myself intensified. And you guys lived in completely different places at that point, too. We did. Wow. I'm I was in Delhi. Yeah, well, thank you. Mm. But um, I think that made me realize what my standards were yeah. for what I want in a relationship. And it honestly makes me uh, more grateful for Karen today. Yeah. yeah. And it amazes me just how different people are and how emotionally intelligent some people are and how emotionally unaware some people are. Yeah. And then just like getting into this field knowing that like most cases that starts with the parents and then usually it's their parents too. And then it's just this generational thing of, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a real bummer. It is. Cause Good thing we're getting into this <laughs> Cause when I think about it, I've, I've figured out that the problem was with his dad Yeah. and there were issues there. And they then probably find stuff with his dad's dad. There. <laughs> I'm sure. And I, I, I could see a pattern forming today. I see a pattern forming yeah. at that time. I was like, Oh my God, please don't kill yourself. Um, but yeah, we got out of it. I did. But yeah. I, and I, I imagine now you explaining that, like feeling such low self-worth and then having, the test come back as, as failing. You're probably, you went full force, like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, that's where I was. I had no self-esteem. I had, I was 100% clinically depressed. I had anxiety. I was having regular panic attacks, like almost thrice a week at that point. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it took me a really long time to recover to just be like, okay, hey, you know what? You're not a piece of shit. Yeah. You are worth something. May not be a lot, but it's something. Yeah. Right? I'm curious about, because while this is happening, if we jump back to what we were talking about before, it sounds like your brother might have been a resiliency factor there, because you said when you came back, that's when you guys started. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What do you, what do you think that's all about? <laughs> I feel like that was definitely a factor. I hadn't realized that until you said it. But his his presence was definitely soothing because he he knew nothing about it at the time because yeah. he was 14. Yeah. I'm not telling a 14-year-old, hey, you know what? I was miserable. But um, 
You think it was just like, this is a male in your life that's like treating you as a person and like not uh, being a tool, <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> Um, Honestly, I don't think that was ever a thought because okay. I don't, I, I mean, I didn't see my brother as a boy or a man treating yeah. me differently. He was just my sibling. More like subconsciously. Is yeah, maybe. That, yeah. yeah, maybe. But I know that I found comfort in him because yeah. I could just be myself. I didn't have to be, I didn't have yeah. to worry if I was saying the right thing. I didn't have to be on edge. I didn't have to walk on eggshells. I would just be like, play with him. Like yeah. we used to play a game where we'd, you know, flick um, bottle caps and try to score goals, you yeah. know, that was so much fun. Cause at that time he was studying for his 12th grade. Like he was studying for the SATs at that time. And yeah. when he needed a break, he'd come and we'd like flick bottle caps and stuff. And that was like, what so are you cool. doing during that time? Um, as far as work, social life, anything like that? I know you said you were depressed or you just spend time at home mostly. And no. So I came home, um, mid April. So the first three months, yeah. So the first three months I was at home, just kind of trying to wake up in the morning, yeah. making sure I get out of bed every day. Um, but in July, I started volunteering at a kindergarten. Oh. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> so that was, um, that was really cool. And I think that was one of the biggest factors that helped me get back to who I was. Yeah. Because here are these four-year-olds, three-year-olds just yeah. running around. Little kids. Yeah. And they adored me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not boasting, but they adored me. <laughs> who wouldn't? <laughs> and I, it was great. It was, I don't know, it was amazing. Yeah. Did it, And you were volunteering, so I imagine that there, there, it sounds like there's just a level of um, selflessness that was filling your bucket. Yeah. I don't know why I'm stuck on this fill your bucket. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was um, it was a volunteer position for a teacher assistant. Okay. So I'd go in every morning and I'd help the like the main teacher. I'd work. Because I was the volunteer assistant teacher, yeah. I'd be the one working with the problem kids. Yeah. Because I'd be the one taking the one or two kids who needed more yeah, attention. Past self already knew what you were going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was taking them with me. And it was honestly very healing. Yeah. Because, again, I'm not walking on eggshells. I don't have to worry what I'm saying. I yeah. don't have, I can just be me. Yeah. So that was fun. And I, I was really lucky that the place I was volunteering with, when there was an opening for a teacher, yeah, they kind of just absorbed me, and I was like, and there you go, and there I go, and Start then teaching, yep, and I was um, a teacher there for five years before I left the job to come here. So, wow. so you're a kindergarten teacher there. Yep. What's the, I mean, what does that look like for you? And is this the same five years that that's like still somewhat happening with that guy? There was overlap, yeah. Okay. What? Where oh, you want that... years? Okay. No, no. I'm just wondering, like, when does that end? What does your life look like post the guy, but you're still, sounds like, teaching for a little while before you come to the U.S.? So. Like when you start 
I don't know, providing yourself some value and, and I, I started dating other guys. I mean, not immediately, but I started, you know, seeing what else was out there. Um, not to say they weren't nice, but they were not the best. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, I didn't realize how stressed I was and how much anxiety I truly had until I kicked him out of my life. And I was like, oh, hey, I can talk. (laughs) Did that feel empowering? It really did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he tried to get back and try to, you know, tell me to come back to him. And I was like, ha ha. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think so. No. Um, well, good for you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it is January. And what do you not want to be in January? Wet. Of course. You don't want to have a wet January when everyone else is having a dry January. See what I did there? Whether or not you're participating in dry January, you're a non-alcoholic drinker, or you just want something awesome in your gullet hole, check out Bravus Brewing at bravus.com, B-R-A-V-U-S.com for a full selection of delicious non-alcoholic beers. They got some sparkling waters. They got some... Uh, euphorics, whatever your, whatever your squeeze is. I'm going to make that popular somehow. Check out Bravis Brewing and use code FRIENDREQUEST at checkout to save 10% on your order. Doesn't get drier than that, January, you bastard. So go to bravus.com, B-R-A-V-U-S, and use code FRIENDREQUEST at checkout to save 10% off your order of non-alcoholic beverages. Boy, are they delightful. All right, back to the episode. What's the thing that makes you decide to move to this crazy place? Oh, um, <laughs> my husband's here. He okay. was working here. He did his he did his higher education here. He's been here for like 10 years. So you met Karen there? Um, so we met through a mutual friend of our parents. Okay. Yeah. So we started talking to each other because our parents were telling us separately, Hey, I think you guys are old enough to get married now. Do we want, do you want us to look for someone? Yeah. So we both said, yeah, okay, sure. There's no harm in it. Go for it. And, um, his uncle knows someone who is a friend of my mom's okay so she gave my mom's number to his mom and then we started talking in 2018 and we haven't stopped talking (laughs) so that was cool um what is there any sort of like norm within your family structure as far as like Cause it sounds like maybe it was like the arrangement. There was an arrangement yeah. of you guys meeting and, uh, and I know that varies family to family and. Yeah. So if you think about it as, um, Indian culture and an arranged marriage, yeah, it wasn't a traditional arranged marriage yeah. because in a traditional arranged marriage, um, the two people who decide to get married, there isn't a lot of time between 
making that decision. Yeah. Like I have a friend who met someone, they hung out for like three months and they're like, yeah, okay, cool. We're getting married. And, but Kiran and I, we, since he was in the US at the time and I was in India, we spoke for about six months. Then we met. Then we decided, okay, cool. We're going to get married. The fun little six month buildup, getting to yep. know each other, like yep. what phone and FaceTime and yep. Zoom and stuff. Yep, yep. It was That's just FaceTime. Fun. And it was because at that point, I mean, because you're not physically meeting each other, yeah. you have to get to know the person as who they are, yeah. you know? So that was a lot of, um, it was a completely different experience for me um, because I have never known someone so quickly in six months. Yeah. Like it was a crash course in knowing somebody. And when we met, like six months after we started talking, we were like, yep, mm -hmm, this is the person for us. And then when we told our parents, they popped champagne and they were like, yay. And we got married like, within four months or five months of us telling them that we want to get married. So the the decision to come here was for him because he was already here and you're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I just joined him. All right. Can we talk shit about America now? (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm just, I'm (laughs) always so curious. Um, like the opinions of anyone that comes here, especially as an adult where you're Mm -hmm. like, I already know about the country (laughs) I grew up in and and India, for instance, too. Like, I feel like there's an entire um, cultural ecosystem that most people, especially in America are like unaware of as far, you know, Bollywood, like the um, pop culture, like there's some, there's so many stereotypes associated that, uh, Americans are just real great at stereotyping other <laughs> cultures. And so I'm wondering, like, when you got here, what what's some of the stuff that, I don't know, maybe pissed you off? Or, like, was there any level of ignorance that you ran into that you, I don't know, can dish with me? I'm just curious, like, uh, how much crap is associated with ever coming from another country into this country? Um, and not generalizing, like anybody but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm always just curious about that so um did that question make sense it did <laughs> so in about 2016 i came to visit my cousin he lives up in seattle okay so i was in the u.s for about two months at the time and um my experience as a tourist in the u.s versus coming and living here as um like living in the U.S. as my home, yeah, they were honestly very different. Okay, in what ways? Um, maybe it's just a Midwest versus the West Coast, but I don't know. I, I haven't th- lived I have thoughts on that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it seemed like people were more friendly towards me then than they are towards me now. Okay, and I mean, it doesn't help that the moment I came. Like within six months, COVID came, happened and the entire country shut <laughs> yeah, down. Not, not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that um, struck me was racism. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you're in India, you hear about um, racism towards black people. But coming here as a brown person... 
I didn't realize there'd be racism towards me as well. Yeah. Which was... Racists don't discriminate in their racism. <laughs> no, they don't. And um, it took me a while to adjust to that. Yeah. And because we're in... Can I, can I pause you? Because <laughs> that is such a frustratingly upset, like upsetting sentence mm -hmm. that it, it took me a while to adjust to the racism. <laughs> like <laughs> that sucks. But it's true. <laughs> yeah. But it sucks. I mean, it does. I, 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 for you more than me, I'm sure, but <laughs> that it sucks that that has to be a sentiment. Yeah. Which is, um, I don't know, maybe because we have like, a, a large Arab population yeah. um, in the suburbs and in Metro Detroit, when people see me, they usually associate me to being Arab. Which, it's got to be even more frustrating. Yeah, because people ask me, oh, um, do you eat pork? First of all, that's none of your business. Second of all, wrong religion, buddy. Um, or, hey... Um, Where's the nearest mosque or like you're being the wrong kind of racist, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Because um, if you think of India and you think of people who from India come here, yeah. you think of people like from the Simpsons up, right? I yeah. mean, you think of him voiced by a white guy. Yeah. I, mean, I love Hank Azaria, but that was not his best role. Yeah. Um, but um, it's like, weird because india is such a vast country that people from the north of india don't look like the people from the south of india yeah. right i'm a mixture of the east and west okay um but i don't look anything like the east and i don't look anything like the west i'm like an amalgamation of the two and because i'm not as um dark-skinned as what a person would normally think an Indian would be, yeah. they think I'm Arab. My husband, his name is Kiran. So many people have called him Quran. And there's not a U. It's a yeah. K-I-R-A-N. It's yeah. not a K-U or a Q-U. So the Quran is Q. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, yeah. and my name is three syllables, yeah. right? People just miss the second syllable in my name, and they go from Ananya to Anya. It, it, it's, and then some people just don't want to make an effort, you know. And then there are some people who overcompensate and make too much of an effort, and it 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 doesn't. It it goes from feeling okay, you're not making an effort to say my name correctly, or okay, I don't care, just whatever, moving on to. Okay, now you're making me feel bad because you're making so much of an effort. Yeah. I'm wondering if this, first of all, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing that it was surprising. <laughs> um, my like angsty teenage punk rock, like <laughs> fuck the government person's like, everyone should know how terrible this place is. Uh, but I guess good <laughs> question mark. Um. I think it's mostly because the media in India doesn't talk too much about the racism over here against Indian people. 
the obsession that the U.S. thinks that everyone around the world is focused on the U.S. is, yeah. is insane to me. Yeah, and uh, I mean, India is an amalgamation of Americana and British culture, you know? Yeah, like, colonization. Yeah, we, my husband and I, we were watching The Crown and we were looking at stuff and suddenly there's like, oh, hey, we have that too. <laughs> or the notches in the desk to keep a pen. Oh, we have that too. Yeah. And it's like you can see the effects of when the British were in India yeah. and you can see the effects of the U.S. media in India. You can see how from... 2000 to 2024 how it's changed everything yeah i i feel like we are slowly inching towards like a more globalization because of the availability of media to the like the entire world yeah um which is why like i've watched a couple foreign films on netflix and now it's always recommending stuff to me and I'll start watching it and it'll be in another language. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on here? Um, which is great that it's like that accessibility is there. Um, but for Netflix specifically, it's very frustrating. Um, just want to watch Stranger Things. Uh, has this experience made you want to incorporate advocacy at all into your practice as a therapist in the future? Is that something you've thought about at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Because honestly, when it when I think about advocacy, I think more in the terms of domestic abuse. Okay. Because that's the one that's affected my life the yeah. most. So yeah. advocacy would be more in terms of maybe domestic abuse or standing up for the rights of, for the children yeah. to get them to get the parents to back off and be like, let them live their lives. Yeah. You know, that's that's where I think of it. I don't think I've experienced racism enough to want to advocate for it yet. Yeah. Advocate against it, just to be sure. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> not for it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, and I only ask because um, I was just talking about this in one of the internship interviews, whereas um, the lady, I was going to like plug them like they're you know, sponsors but um her practice is very focused on people of color and advocacy and like um you know the people that are not representative in the counseling field a lot like mm -hmm. especially in cultures where there's a stigma about going to therapy at all and then yeah you want to definitely see somebody that looks like you in the chair across from you yeah. um and i think just existing in that way and being like outspoken in a way is advocacy mm -hmm. um, without like, you know, going out and doing anything crazy, um, yeah. seeking it out. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just rambling at this point. Um, <laughs> so was the, was the plan when you were coming to the U S to like, Oh, I'm going to go back to school and uh, continue that dream of being a therapist that I had X amount of years ago. So, that was not my initial plan, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I was, since I was a kindergarten teacher, I was like, oh, hey, you know what? I still want to be a teacher. I want to specialize in special ed, okay. like emotional impairment. Because yeah, yeah. Michigan doesn't have level of impairment. They have different types of impairment. Wait, like, can if, you elaborate on that? I don't know what that means. So in Washington, you have, um, let's say, kids who are autistic, but 
a certain level of autistic, like they're mild autistic or they yeah. have mild emotional impairment or they have a mild uh, learning, discerning order. Yeah. yeah, so you can specialize with mild, moderate, okay. or severe. Versus in Michigan, it's um, you specialize in the impairment. So there's a learning disorder, there's autism, there's um, emotional impairment. Yeah. So when I started getting my master's in special ed for emotional impairment, I figured out that, I mean, I started it thinking that my teaching license from India would transfer over. It didn't. Yeah, I imagine even worse so in Michigan, right? Yeah. Michigan, I think, has some of the more strict standards yeah. of any state. Yeah, and by the time they released um, a standalone, you can get your license by doing this program in special ed. Okay. And it's not as um, a, a specialization on your existing certificate. It was already too late, and I had already applied to the counseling program, and I was okay. I, I, I was just really frustrated. Yeah. And at that time... There was a lot of talk about school shootings also. So when I told my husband that, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm going to switch my... It's another like welcome to America situation. Yeah. yeah. And he was super happy. He's like, yeah, don't go to schools. Don't teach in a school. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a scary thing that has become like a normal thing that you have to think about as a parent, as a teacher, as a... Which is crazy and yeah. very sad. Like I was in school when Columbine happened and everyone was like, this is crazy. How does something like this happen? And now it's all the time. And yeah, yeah, it's really, that's very sad. And it's something like, like I said, I don't really want to work with kids, <laughs> but like that, I don't think so because of that, I thankfully haven't even had to factor that in, but yeah, um, I mean, you're in a, we're going to have clients. By the time, like, either one of us is licensed, especially in this area, you're going to have clients that were at Oxford when there was a school shooting. Yeah. That are still, like, going to have shit from that. Yeah. And it's, uh, the commonality of it is depressing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> never mind this podcast. I'm done. Um, <laughs> anyway, but so you, I don't want to do anything at all with teaching at this point but do you, you no, still want to work with kids i do yes. i do want to work with kids okay. um so in the summer the play therapy specialization specialization gets released yeah so i'm hoping i can take that maybe now maybe in like two years yeah. let's see i just want to get done with studying i've been studying since 2020 <laughs> i'm so done right now uh -huh. um how many assignments can you write man i can't anymore Anyway, <laughs> find a website. You can just buy them. That's fine. Um, what, uh, what is the, what's like, what's the dream scenario? You get your license. Like, do you want to do your own thing? Do you want to work in a, a like a, I mean, you tell me, I was about to name like 10 things, but I guess you can just <laughs> fill in that blank. So I do want to work like in a private practice. Okay. Uh, but today I'm not too keen on opening my own practice. Yeah. Um, after, well, the class that Josh took of all these things are like, the things that go in yeah. to opening your own practice. I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Here's, here's all the forms and text things. and. Yep, that's not for me. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'll be open to it in 10 years. Who knows? Yeah. I wasn't open to doing a master's 10 years ago. So life changes. What's um, What's your life been like socially in the U.S.? 
transitioning again because you have this kind of theme pattern right in your life you go somewhere you get this group of friends you know, go somewhere else go somewhere get this group of friends go somewhere else yeah. go somewhere get this group of friends go somewhere else so what's <laughs> i mean how has that pattern impacted how you build your social relationships uh as far as you know has it had you put up a little like some walls at all or um made it easier harder what's that look like for you now so i'm an open book <laughs> yeah anyone asks me anything i'm happy to talk about it but I'm very shy. Yeah. So someone has to come up to me and talk to me. Like even, you know, you and me, like yeah. when we started becoming friends, it's because you came up to me and yeah. you started talking to me. And you're like, hey, Ananya, how was your day? How, how's your week been? And I'm like, yes, friend. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, uh, no, I didn't put up any walls or anything. Uh -huh. um, if I look past like my shyness, I'm pretty friendly. I don't know how, if that works, but it does for me. So my husband has a friend group over here. Okay. And since I married him, I yeah. married into the group. Yeah, yeah. Which was on. It, it was pretty. I was pretty lucky because they're all really good people. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess that could go both ways. <laughs> no, they're really good people, and I'm really close to all of them. And yeah, they've they they were a, a major support system for me while I was finding my feet. Right, because I left For my sure. friends, I left my family, I left my job, yeah. I left everything. I, I left everything I knew to come here to join my husband. Um, so having them was really great. I mean, it helps that my brother's in Illinois. At the time, my parents were in New Jersey. They, okay. moved, they moved back to India now. But I had like somewhat of her social system forming yeah. at that point um today i have a good support system because we've all bonded and now it's not like i'm his wife i'm a part of the group yeah so I, that's fun side note i'm just curious how did your brother and your parents end up in the u.s because it sounds like separate lakes they're in different places oh yeah so uh my brother started his undergrad at uiuc which is university of illinois Chicago. urbana oh. urbana champaign oh, oh. Mm. downstate he's, he's doing a phd it's like wow um in what? <laughs> um electrical we'll delete this we'll delete it all <laughs> no wait electrical engineering oh, okay uh he says ece so Everyone's got acronyms. Yeah. It's even even in the field I'm going into, I'm like, okay, chill out on the acronyms. <laughs> I don't know what this means. Yeah. Um, and my dad, he well, he he works for a company based in the U.S. Okay. So they were like, okay, come to the U.S. Let's yeah. work in the U.S. So but they've since moved back to yeah. India. Yeah. Okay. So so they were here for about five years. They moved oh, in nice. 2017. Well, so you really got a lot of... Did they move here before you did? Yeah. Oh, what did you do f in <laughs> India? Because you were at your parents for a while. So I still lived in that house. Okay. Because I was working at the kindergarten at the time. Yeah. So I was living alone, which was super scary for the first few months. I was gonna say, did it, and then did it become awesome? Did it, it go from scary to awesome? It did go <laughs> from scary to awesome. And then my parents would come back like every couple of months because my dad had, sh had to show his. Get out of here, guys. I got a party at six. Exactly. <laughs> I I'd be so frustrated. And I'd be like, there are too many people in this house right now. 
that's so funny. Yeah, it was good fun though. Um, I I finally, I think from 2017 to about 2019 was a huge time for me because I'd just gotten out of the relationship. Yeah. My parents had left, so there was a lot of personal growth going on. Um, I started putting myself out there more, and all in all, I be- I went from this meek little ball of anxiety to semi-confident and less anxiety and a, a smaller ball of anxiety. Sounds like you got to like meet Ananya. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and now you're, how much longer do you have left in this program? I start my practicum in the summer. Okay. I'm almost done. Yeah. Yay. You're, you're only one semester behind me. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Though I started before you. Yeah, but I have you... gone through it like I'm crazy person. Um, and now I'm at the end with people I barely know because I skipped past everyone <laughs> that I actually have built relationships with. It's very frustrating. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad to still have the support systems. Um, yeah. Oh, and... Yes. Um, uh, the support system, like friends outside of the friend group I married into, is actually I found people in like my third semester of the counseling program, yeah. which is you, Ashley, Ryan, yeah. Margot, our classmates, All and these I was fun like, <laughs> yeah, and and I was like, finally I have friends. Has it been? And this is a hundred percent projection because it's just been my experience, but. Has it been, um, have you noticed a change for what you kind of look for in other people oh, since definitely. being in this program? Oh, definitely. God, that's it's, frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really is. And, and it what makes it worse is that I'm now questioning all the existing relationships that oh, yeah. I do have. I, I can see, oh, this person's not making an effort. Why am I the one always making an yeah. effort? And it goes into, okay, I want. I know what I want now. Yeah. I want a friendship which is reciprocating stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, it's wild. I uh, There's a bunch of people in my life that, like, they're, I'm happy they're in my life. But, I I'd like, I also recognize that, like, that's not that's not getting anywhere deeper than it is. And, yeah. and yeah, I don't – I used to – play little mind games with like if oh if i don't if i don't call them are they ever going to call me like i'm going to not call them for a couple weeks to see if they even call me um and stuff like that and you realize or for me i mean i've accepted some of the lack of effort that's being put in on others parts yeah and instead but it's the the shift for me has been like instead of getting mad about it i'm just like that's who they are and like that's what our relationship is going to be if i continue that relationship and it's not like i don't have hard feelings towards them mm-hmm. um but i'm also not going to put in like all the effort i used to put in yeah because there, there's no reciprocation there right and yeah. that's but it's also been difficult now see this is the part where i just talk about me for an hour um <laughs> but it's also been difficult um so it's it's hard for me to have the expectations of people I've known for 20 years to look at me differently because 
they've known me a certain way for 20 years. Yeah. So just because I feel, think, and act differently now doesn't mean that they're going to automatically change how they see me and how they interact with me and anything like that. So I think there's also like a level of patience involved. Yeah. Kind of like waiting it out because the best you can do as a person is just like present yourself how you are and uh, yeah, people can kind of take it or... <laughs> Yeah, I I also feel that there's an element of this was the relationship, like, or the friendship that I've been the one or you've been the one or someone's been the one who's putting in the most effort. Yeah. Right. And that's the pattern that has formed in that relationship. So when you're trying to shake it up, they don't realize that you're trying to shake it up. Yeah. Because in their mind, it's like well, she's the one or he's the one or they're the one that's always making the effort. So, okay, they're probably going through something. I'll be here when they're ready. And how do you have that conversation? (laughs) Because that's not, there's no, I don't think there's any comfortable way to have that conversation because it's without, it's sounding confrontational to some degree. Yeah. Um, But it's also very nice to just be like, Hey, just so you know, like, this is what I need out of this relationship. And like, I know I've been this, this, and this for the last however many years, but like going forward, I really would love to see this from you. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the best you can do. But yeah, if I ever have that conversation, I'll let you know. (laughs) I've Um, only, I've only done it twice. Yeah. How did that go? Um, once went well for a little while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it was a like, hey, when we talk, you tell me everything about your life and you never ask me about mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have since like made a pretty decent effort. And then the other one, I was like, hey, I need this, this and this from a friendship. And then we don't talk a lot. <laughs> so, oh, no. But, you know, you get your answer either way. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's rewarding in its own way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you have clarity in what you what the relationship you can expect from it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is like accepting what people are willing to give Yeah. and stop, stop expecting them to give more than they're able to. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which is a very difficult reality to accept, especially depending on the people I'm talking about friends. We didn't even get into family in that expectation (laughs) and we're not going to, Um, (laughs) is there anything I didn't talk about you wanted to mention? We talked about mostly everything. Yeah, birth to now. See, yeah. I can fit your lifetime into an hour. Wow. That's not true. We probably <laughs> missed a bunch of stuff, but. I don't remember if we missed a bunch of stuff. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. <laughs> thank you for having me. I yeah. really enjoyed this. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just listened to my interview with Ananya. Oh, man. I, uh, you know, anytime there's somebody from a vastly different culture than me, it's always, it's, is. I like to think that it comes off as, like, seamless. <laughs> but it's so difficult internally to, like, transition that and be like, let's talk about cultural differences. Because how do you ask some of those questions without implying stereotypes? And that's not, you know, that's the last thing I want to do. But uh, 
So I think sometimes you have to almost act stupider than you are, if that makes sense. It sounds bad. Did you guys hear that? My cat just sneezed. He's on the chair across from me and just sneezed. Um, <laughs> uh, I love the idea of the the all-girls school in India, and I'm, I guess I'm glad that she said it was really academic-focused, but because I just pictured mean girls in India instead of mean girls, you know, in America. Just mean girls. I feel like maybe maybe that's my own experience, but I thought all 13-year-old girls were mean, uh, both to each other and to others, um, especially boys, but also even more so to each other. I don't know. Am I wrong there? Um, but I loved this. I loved this. I loved Ananya taking her um, bad relationship and turning it into like a lesson and an opportunity for growth and, and like, look where she is now. She's going to take all that and help other people and feels the desire to advocate for that, um, which is great. I'm really happy about it. I'm very happy about it. I love, um, all these wonderful people that I've met in my program, um, at school and just been able to embrace vulnerability around people that also embrace vulnerability, um, people that seek to grow and change in their everyday life is, is a real great population to be around. Highly recommend it. Two thumbs up, go see it in theaters. Um, yeah, that's, it was good. It was a really good interview. Um, I have, I have a few, at least a few more. I already have a few more recorded, so at least a few more. <laughs> um, my buddy from high school just reached out to me and wants to be on the show, has some hesitations. We'll see what that's about. Haven't read those messages yet, but yeah, it's a good time. It's a good rhyme. It's a good crime. It's a good slime. I'm, I'm just rhyming at this point. And yeah, I guess, I guess if you're listening to this on release day, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. If you are off today, cool. If you're working, you know, that's less cool. But to each their own. If you're in the northeastern side of the country, you're probably, I guess, no. If you're in the northern half of the country, you're fucked right now. Snow everywhere. If it was a crab song, you'd put a capo on the fifth fret and the chords would be E, B, A. If you can figure out what that means, email me. Otherwise, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Okay. I love you. Bye-bye.